host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. I'd like to welcome my listeners back. I hope you guys are staying safe out there, and it has been cold, so I hope you guys have also been staying warm. We have with us Malik Perkins. He's the Public Relations Manager for Mid-Ohio Food Collective. Hello, Malik. Hello. Thanks for having me. I have with me Mr. Ernest Kelly. Hey, welcome, Malik. Yes, again, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. What we're going to be talking about is the SNAP program. Uh, Malik's going to be breaking it down for us and telling us how you can be eligible and apply for this service that the Mid-Ohio Food Collective provides. So we know that there's a lot of, with COVID-19, we know that there's a lot of families out there that are going without food. So I asked Malik, would he come on and talk to us about the program and how you become eligible? So Malik, I would first like for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came about working for the Mid-Ohio Food Collective. Um, Sure. I've I've actually been working for the Mid-Ohio Food Collective for a little over, this would be my third year. It'd be three years in November, so a little over two years now. I was born and raised in Dayton, Ohio, where I went to Central State University, graduated in 2014 in broadcast media and journalism. I was a radio, television, and print reporter for about five years in Dayton before moving to the Columbus area to work for Middle Ohio Food Collective. And one of the things that drew me here was I, when I was a reporter, I did a lot of covering nonprofits. And I did a lot of stories on poverty, social issues, and things of that nature, and I kind of became educated about some of the issues revolving around food insecurity and some of the other problems that were happening at that time. And when I saw an opportunity to come here and kind of be a part of the solution to some of the things I was covering, I felt like it would be a great opportunity, and thankfully it worked out, and here I am. I've heard about the SNAP program, and then in reading the information about it, it says it was food stamps. So I found that really interesting because the name does change. Like it has more of an appeal to it than food stamps. What do you know? What made that change come about in changing the name? I'm not not entirely sure about um, that. It, it, I think just probably calling it um, the SNAP program probably just gives it a better uh, a better indication of what it is. You know that. Just letting know, letting people know this is a supplemental program for nutrition assistance. I think that probably just better captures what exactly the program is versus just the term food stamps. I think just as time went on, it just kind of helps with the, the whole education of it. Okay, because it does sound better, and there was a stigma behind, uh, you know, if you were getting food stamps, you know, back in the day. But go ahead and <clears throat> tell us about the SNAP program. I'm sorry. No, 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 you're fine. So the, the, you know, the SNAP program is essentially a program which um, allows families to be able to get food assistance to help them purchase food at grocery stores and locations like that for people who are in need. Um, currently, it is for households with incomes less than 130% of the federal poverty level. That's who's eligible for SNAP benefits. And, um, you know, the, the, the eligibility can change slightly just depending on what's going on in Washington at that federal level. But that's essentially what it is. Um, and, and one of the interesting things about it is that um, a lot of times people don't understand that a large majority of people who receive these benefits are both seniors as well as children. So 
I think sometimes people kind of get caught in the weeds and think that, oh, this is a program for people who don't want to work. It actually also helps people who literally legally cannot work. And that's why it's such an important program for families. So you call it the Middlehow Food Collective? Yes, Middlehow Food Collective. Middle, is that still the Middlehow Food Bank? Yes, it is. So um, we did a rebrand in the beginning of um, 2020, but of course, COVID-19 hit. <laughs> so changed a little bit of our rolling out about our rebrand. But so now that we've been in the community for a little over 40 years now, um, we really sat down and we wanted to think about what are all of the things that we're doing to address hunger. And just based on our current model, we have five assets. So we have the food bank, which is the literal warehouse where we store food. That is the Middle Ohio Food Bank, and that is our anchor asset. In addition to the food bank, we have Middle Ohio Farm, where we are, you know, we have a smart farm in the Hilltop community, where that's going to be a, a place where we use to engage the community. We're engaging local college campuses, um, teaching the community about agriculture. All types of job training and programs for children will be taking place there. So that's part of our Middle Ohio Middle Ohio Farm Program. Then we have Middle Ohio Pharmacy, which is a program where someone who's having food-related illnesses like obesity or diabetes or something of that nature, and if they are in need of food, they can literally go to their doctor and get a prescription to get food, you know, from one of our partner agencies. So that's our Middle Ohio Pharmacy Program. Um, Then we also have Middle Ohio Kitchens, which that's our initiative to prepare meals that are ready to eat. Um, we do that right now with a lot of kids' meals at our um, Southside Roots Cafe, which is located in the Reeve Avenue Center. We've also been distributing these meals to boys and girls clubs, homeless shelters with the YMCA and places like that. So that's our kitchen program. Um, and we also have Middle Ohio Markets, um, which are, you know, a more shopping experience, you know, when it comes from food pantries. We really want to make sure that we're giving our customers the feel of a grocery store experience and allowing them to have options and things of that nature. That way we're lessening the stigma of being food insecure and also treating people, you know, with dignity and respect and making sure that they're able to have the same experiences that we have. So with, with all five of those assets, all those make up the Middle Ohio Food Collective. Oh, got you. I, I got mm-hmm. you. Okay. So and back to the SNAP program, um, what's the importance of it? Oh, yeah. Well, the, the, the importance of it is, is just, you know, it, it's something that helps families get food when they're in need. And, again, especially with it's approximately half of the people who receive these benefits are children. So, again, you're, you're talking about mm, children who right. might be in a, fam, you know, in a situation where maybe a parent is struggling, and without this program, this is, this, they would not have access to the same amount of food. So it, it's such a crucial thing, and especially for seniors who – you know, might be retired or semi-retired, might not have enough income. It's critical to them as well. And also even to college students, especially on the community college level, we've seen that a number of community college students also battle food insecurity and can benefit from this program due to the fact that, you know, when you're in community college, you tend to be a little bit older, you're more likely to have a family. Now compare that to paying for college. You can quickly find yourself um, in a tight situation. So that's just a few of the many ways why that program is so important. Okay. So you mean a co- uh, I, I, I wasn't a, a college student can apply for uh, the SNAP program? Wow, that's interesting. Um, yes, yes. It, it, it is for people. It's just for households with um, income of less than um, 130% of the federal poverty guide, federal poverty level. Okay. Sorry, yeah, Ernie. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I'm not surprised. No, I'm not surprised about that because when I was going to 
Ohio State back in you know, many, many years ago. <laughs> I tried to apply. Ahead, I, I tried to apply apply for some food stamps, and of course, they didn't give me that much. They only gave me like ten dollars worth. So, <laughs> but but yeah, I'm not yeah, surprised at all. If if you live off campus and you work, uh, you're not working a full time job. You're going to you know you're doing fifteen hours uh, uh, course load, and you're working say a uh, a work study job like I was doing, where you working. 20 hours a week, right. you know, it's, it's hard to do all that and, and, and try and yeah. pay your monthly rent. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, and this is a recent change. This actually began on January 16th of this year. It was expanded to students enrolled at least half. It got to be at least half time in higher education. But, yeah, this was something that was, you know, temporarily expanded at the beginning of this year. What is the eligibility, like, requirements such as age. I heard you age. I heard you say seniors, kids, and then I heard sing, seniors. So what is the age requirement to apply for this? Or sure. is there any age requirement? 18 to 50 um, for that. So it's like, you know, adults from between the ages of 18 and 50. And it says that, uh, you know, they can get SNAP benefits for three months in a three-year period unless they're working or participating in a work fair, work or work fair program. But it looks like there's also some exceptions for, you know, able-bodied students who are between the ages of 18 and 49 who are enrolled in college or other institutions um, for at least half time. This seems to hold on one second. Let me read that again. No, yeah, so it looks like ages 18 to 50. Um, what was, I was getting ready. I forgot. I was getting ready. <laughs> Ernie, go ahead. I forgot what I was going to ask. I was going to ask Malik about some of the myths. You don't have to go into each one of them. I was seeing where you guys have four main ones in different categories, you know, like eligibility workers and potential applicants. And what I was what I was wondering about, why it just kind of surprised me, why would something like that uh, make a, a, a applicant hesitant to apply for uh, one of your programs? Yeah, I mean, you know, the things about when it comes to any myth surrounding food insecurity, whether it's SNAP or just some other misconception, is that it, it, it carries stigma. And then, of course, a myth by yeah. definition is just mis- misinformation, right? So, um, yeah. you know, when people when people think that, um, you know, for example, one of the common myths is that you can't get SNAP benefits if you have a job. So someone might be eligible, but because they believe that, they don't get the help that they need, not knowing that, you know, nearly 40% of, you know, and some in some cases, a large percentage of people who are on SNAP, they had earnings, they did have some form of income, or even just the idea of if I'm on SNAP benefits, and I, there are people who might need it more than I do, so I shouldn't do that, I'm taking away benefits from someone else, and that's not how it works either. You know, if you're, if you, you know, there is a criteria, and if you meet that criteria, there's nothing wrong with seeing if you're eligible to get that help if you need it. So when do you have to, like, dispel these kind of myths? Is, is when you're out and about uh, or some of you guys is, uh, pro, uh, you know, when you're out, out and about somewhere and you run into people that really could use the help but they're mm-hmm. skeptical about coming in, is that when it is that when they tell you that, oh, you know, I've heard, I've heard that I'm not eligible and that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, because we have a SNAP outreach team, and often when we're, you know, doing doing that part of our um, of our work and our services, that's when 
we end up really making sure that we're educating people and letting them know that, hey, you know, you actually are eligible for this or this is actually how this works. And then here are some other programs that you might be eligible for. So that's something that our SNAP outreach team often has to uh, help explain to people just because, one, it, is, it can be a complicated program because it, there are things that change from time to time but um, also just the, the, the misconceptions that kind of blanket the program, unfortunately, from time to time, too. Sometimes we really have to make sure that we're educating. And we have a great team that puts out materials and really does an amazing job of making sure that we're staying on top of it and educating the public. If you guys excuse me for a minute, we need to take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to The Cell on 94.1 FM, WGRN, and WGRN.org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Let me add, let me just add, add one more thing, Malik. When I, was, when I, I mentioned earlier about um, when I went down to what used to be the welfare apartment, and the the people that worked there, they used to have a reputation for being very mean spirited. So how how do you guys train your outreach people uh, how to engage with you know the public? Because I tell you, it was a a bad experience for me. It's actually the the lady that was waiting on me. You know, you know, healthy young man. But I was in between jobs and I was hurting, and she only gave me ten dollars a $10 food stamp, and I thought that was kind of a joke, but her attitude was just really terrible. Do you guys address that with your outreach people? Yeah, I mean, what, so we, we have a, a model that we call customer-centric, meaning, you know, the, the people who we serve are our customers, whether it's someone we're helping get signed up for SNAP or someone who's coming to um, one of our partner agencies to receive food or who's in a part of any, any part of our, uh, our outreach or asset at all. Um, and so with that in mind, we're always trying to make sure that we're making things convenient for the customer, making sure that things best fit their situation, and then also, you know, definitely making sure that we're addressing people with respect, right? empathizing with, um, empathizing with their need. And, and on our team, we have a number of people in our organization who has been food insecure at some point in their life. So, you know, we... We and a, and a lot of those people are in contact with some of the people that we're serving. So we have a lot of people who understand what it feels like to be in that position, and I think that's something that has really helped us out a lot over the years. That sounds good. I like to ask the question in regard to any of our listeners out there: Is SNAP something that they can apply for online? If so, what is the address, or is it something that they physically come in person to do? And if so, what is that address? Can you provide our listeners with that information? Absolutely. Let me just make sure I've got the right address here for you. With websites, it's like one one wrong click and you're somewhere else. Uh, (laughs) So if you actually go to our website, middleohiofoodbank.org, you'll see a link that says Get Help. And then once you go to Get Help, you'll see something that says Snap Assistance. And from there, you'll see contact information to our, our Snap Outreach team as well as other materials to read up on and kind of learn more about the program, and you'll be able to sign up from there and learn about, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're eligible and things of that nature. Also, we use a uh, website and an app called FreshTrack, F-R-E-S-H, and then Track, T-R-A-K. And within that app, you're able to find not only our partner agencies, markets, and food pantries that are near you by zip code, but you can also sign up for SNAP through that app as well. So we have a few different avenues for people who – 
you know, are just looking to find ways to sign up, depending on what's more, most convenient for them. So since COVID's been going on, they can't come in person to apply for it, or, or can they come in person to apply for it, you know, like to a um, facility? So we, yeah, I, I, I believe, I, um, I know that I've it's been mostly been pointing people to online. I can check for you to see if there's someone doing it on, pers- on site somewhere, but um, I believe a lot of this is being done online right now. Okay, I was just, uh, if our listeners didn't have a computer, you know, or anything like that, how they could possibly, you know, go about outside of being online. Oh, yeah, um, they can definitely reach out to our uh, SNAP outreach team, and I actually have that phone uh-huh. number for you. Um, and that number is 614-782-5503. Talking about COVID, what kind of uh, increase have you guys seen since we've been going through this pandemic? As far as the SNAP program? Absolutely. Uh, as far as the SNAP program, um, let me see. I don't have numbers exactly for the increase of the SNAP program, but I do have a number of increase for how many people we've been serving in general, which also impacts those numbers. Um, oh, okay. So what, we're, what, what we have been seeing since the beginning of our COVID response, which we began at March 1st, and our, our latest report from March 1st, 2020 to January 31st, 2021, um, we have served over almost 190,000 families across our 20-county footprint. And the shocking part about this is since the beginning of this, roughly 28% of everyone we've been serving has been new customers coming to us for the very first time for help. So people who've never wow. been in our system before are coming to us in very high numbers. Like I said, 28% brand new customers. Um, and we've served about 190,000 families, and altogether those families have made roughly uh, 1,096,510 visits to one of our partner agencies within that time span. Wow. Is it, is it, is it getting, getting better as far as people getting back up on their feet, or have you seen um, it looking like it's getting better? Not, not just by no. the numbers, but just can you just tell? No. It, 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 this is something that's been holding steady. Um, for a while, um, you know, there's, there's slight fluctuation here and there, but no, this is this is something that we're prepared to know that we're going to be dealing with this for quite some time. Because even once we get to the other side of the pandemic, the economic impact is going to be here to stay for a while. Um, one of the things we've been mm-hmm. telling people is that we know this is a marathon, not a sprint, or rather, we're running a marathon at a sprinter's pace. So some of those people who were already on the line, maybe teetering between poverty and not. This took took a lot of them over the edge, and then people who are already struggling are struggling even more. Um, so, you know, the, the, the increase in need for food has been tremendous. I mean, even if we just look at the poundage of food that we've been distributing across our footprint, we're up to 81 million pounds, and that's a 26% increase compared to the same time period last year. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It, I mean, it's – and thankfully, you know, the, the – the, uh, Middle Ohio Food Collective, we're one of the food banks in the Feeding America network that's doing very well. So 95 of our partner agencies are still open. Um, we, you know, we haven't had to close a whole bunch of pantries. We haven't had massive shortages and been unable to serve people. But like I said, the, the need has just increased. Another almost inconceivable stat is we have a food pantry on site at the food bank. And on a typical day before COVID, we serve 200 to 250 families a day. 250 was a busy night. Now we are serving easily 1,000 families a day at times. Whoa. 
Yeah, and wow. I mean, one, 1,000 car, and it's a drive-through model, so 1,000 cars coming through that, uh, that food pantry line in one day. Where can our listeners find the location of food pantries? Is it online? Absolutely. Um, and so it's, if you go to middleohiofoodbank.org, you can go to Get Help, and we keep an updated list of food pantries by zip code, and it has their, their um, availability, their time, whether they're zip code specific, things of that nature. That can all be found there. Also on our app, Fresh Track. Again, that's Track, T-R-A-K. You can type in your zip code. You can access it from your phone and also find pantries and partner agencies near you that way as well. What happens, you know, since we have so many uh, people that are homeless now, how do you guys handle people that are either homeless and mm-hmm. they need food? Because we see people, of course, standing out on the side of the road saying homeless, need, you know, help as much as you can. But there are some true people out there that are homeless and they mm-hmm. don't have a physical address. How do you handle that? Absolutely. Well, we've, we've, um, we've always partnered with um, homeless shelters, but we've definitely um, increased those efforts even more um, due to the pandemic. So we've been even been doing, you know, various food distributions near certain areas, partnering with the YMCA, um, making sure that we're able to serve the, um, the population that's dealing with homelessness. And that's through our Middle Ohio Kitchens program. And through that program, since March 1st, we have prepared and distributed meals ready to eat. 431,347 meals um, in across our 20-county footprint. And, you know, that includes homeless meals for families, children, uh, single people. We've been able to do well over 400,000 of those throughout this pandemic. What kind of challenge is it for you guys to get enough help to distribute these meals and that kind of thing to, to the public? Because it sure sounds like you guys aren't, like, you can't, it don't sound like you have, like, we're going to be here eight to five because with, you know, a thousand people a day, it sounds like, you know, you, you shoot right past whatever uh, closing time you might have. Yeah. I mean, so at the beginning of this, you know, we, we typically have about 13,000 volunteers on hand at the beginning of COVID that number shrank almost to zero. Um, You know, especially in the beginning, we didn't think that there was no mass regulations. No one really knew what this was. So thankfully, the Ohio National Guard has been with us since March of last year, and they have been tremendous in helping us continue to distribute food. But at some point when they depart, and it's not exactly clear when that will be, we'll definitely need to rebuild our volunteer base. And one of the things that we can say is that we have done so many things to make the food bank facility and our other facilities a safe place to volunteer. Um, there are, you got to wear a mask when you're in your building. Your temperature is checked at the door, a no-touch way to get your temperature checked. Um, We move to a drive-through model. You're not touching anyone to register any of the customers. You're simply just putting a food box in the trunk. Um, We've revamped our space for our volunteer activities to do better for social distancing. Um, A lot of other things in the building have been changed in order to just allow more space, more sanitizer, more, more places to use hand sanitizer. So we really put a lot of protocols in place. And on top of that, much of the staff is working remotely now. So you have much significantly less people in the building than you typically would have. And that has been yeah. for us being able to keep everyone safe. So we, we are in need of volunteers, and we are making a full court press to get volunteers back. But we also want them to know that we've done everything, and we're continuing to, you know, once, when we learn more, we will make necessary adjustments. We're following it very closely. We are closely following 
um, the guidelines from healthcare profession healthcare professionals. So we've we've done everything to make sure this is a safe place to volunteer, as well as a safe place to work and a safe place to receive food. Have they scheduled you guys for uh, to get the vaccination? Um, that, I don't, it would seem like you guys would be yet. part of a central central workers. Yeah, I don't have I don't have information on that just yet. Um, I know that's something that's being worked out. So I can't, you know, I can't really comment to that at this point. Um, I was just, um, in, back in the day, they used to give us some like a little uh, raffle ticket almost, like a stamp like it was. So I can see that SNAP uses like a bank card, you know, like a debit card. Mm-hmm. Is, do y'all, I mean, how does that work? Um, I, believe it, I believe it is um, a, a type of card now. Let me double check though really quickly. And is it still set up where you can only get certain type of food? Yes. Now, it, that, is, that, I, that is true, um, and that's one of the things that we advocate for, um, and which is why we have our kitchens program to provide meals ready to eat. Um, some of the most essential items that are needed from the food bank are actually non-food items. They're toiletries, hygiene products, um, things of that nature, and unfortunately, SNAP doesn't cover a lot of those items. So um, there, there are limitations on what people can and can't get. I also believe that you can't purchase something like a rotisserie chicken with SNAP benefits. Um, so What? It would seem like you'd be able to purchase a rotisserie chicken. Right. But, you know, that, that those are some of the uh, – there are certain limitations on it, which is why we, you know, we make a big push to make sure we have those items on hand that maybe SNAP benefits can't purchase at this time. But, um, yes, it, there are – limits on it unfortunately and if it does offer like a debit card i guess that that dignity you were talking about uh, mm-hmm. would make an individual feel better to use a card than to go there with food you know that actually have food stamps right i mean yeah, the I, I stamps in their that, hand. yeah I, I would imagine that that probably part of that change would be for dignity and it's probably just easier to carry and keep track of as well, you know, for being able to track something like that electronically versus trying to actually keep um, physical snap, snap food stamps. I guess it keeps the theft rate down, not theft, but people transferring it to other people or selling them to other people because I know that was pretty heavy back in me when I was, you know, coming up. I didn't give my food, I mean, they were called food stamps at the time. But I wouldn't uh, give up my food stamps. But I do know that there were people who were selling their food stamps, you know, for the amount that they were worth or maybe double the amount that they were worth just to, you know, get cash in their hands. Mm. So I guess that could yeah, be considered misuse. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any um, direct data on that. I know the data that I have seen just in the past, that that's usually rare because, like, you know, the majority of people that are on it are taking advantage of it. I mean, I'm sure there might be some theft here and there or some type of, you know, manipulation here and there. But um, as far as, like, people we help and how often that happens, I wouldn't have any information on that. I just know that, according yeah. to the team, that's not, that's not something that's widespread. The food pantry is separate from the SNAP program. Is that is that right? Yes, yes. So the, the SNAP program is a federal program, whereas, um, okay. you know, the food pantry can be, it's just an independent um, place where people can go to get food. And we have over 680 partner agencies in our network that, you know, receive food from us. And some of them are food pantries. Some of them are other types of, uh, you know, facilities that might distribute to food. But correct. 
Yeah, SNAP is okay. separate from a police pantry. Okay, that's what I need to know. The main thing is that, um, you know, it's something that, you know, you're, you're able to look into to see if you're eligible for that. Um, it's, it's a program that's available, and so it's just, it's just something that if you, if you are in need and you feel like, hey, I want to look and see if I'm eligible for certain benefits, that's, that's definitely something that you can do. And then just aside from that, um, you know, the, with Middle Ohio Food Collective, we're here with you and for you. We know that, you know, things are very difficult right now. And if you need to come to one of our partner agencies for food, we want you to do that. Um, you know, we have the food. We're able to distribute the food. And that's what we want to do. And even if you are on SNAP benefits and you're able to get some of your groceries with SNAP, but you want, need have other essential items that you want to get from us, we encourage you to do that as well. Um, so it's just that the, the Middle Ohio Food Collective is a resource for you if you're in need. Could you please give our listeners the website information again? Absolutely. It would be www.middleohiofoodbank.org, a link to go to SNAP assistance. So Malik, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Okay, and with that being said, peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to The Cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is FaithThomasFDN.